We've been talking about love at the cross. We've been talking about um, how Jesus, while he was hanging on the cross, experienced and expressed love. And, and I think for us to, uh, again, to understand how significant that is, just to, to relive just a little bit what it was like to get to the cross. Jesus had been up all night. He had gone through a series of trials that were illegal. Uh, he had been condemned to death for a crime he didn't commit. He was beaten beyond recognition. He was whipped almost to death. He had no skin on his back. He was had his bare back next to the wooden cross. He had a crown of thorns on his head, so he couldn't even put his head back to find relief that way because the thorns would stick further into his head. He had spikes through his hands and his feet, and he looked at the crowd, and he loved. And so it's in that context, then, that we see the story, and really it's some of the same verses we talked about last week, but we're going to look at a, a different verse here. So I want you to look with me, if you will, in Luke chapter 23, verse 26, page 1059, if you're using the Pew Bibles. Luke chapter 23, verse 26. Page 1059. Luke 23, 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country. And he put the cross on him, uh, and put the cross on him, and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, "Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green." What will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. I just want us to look at that one phrase today. Where Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they were doing. The word forgive there is really kind of a legal word. And what Jesus said was, pardon them. Now, at the end of a presidency, we see our presidents pardon a whole lot of people, regardless of what you think about it. That's what happens. Some we look and say they deserve that. Some we look and say they don't. But they're pardoned. They're set free. And so what Jesus was praying, he was praying to the Father, and he said, Father, make it like this never happened. Make it like they never did anything wrong. Make them totally forgiven where they are set free, and this does not affect them ever again. Father, pardon them. And then he said, not only pardon them, but he said, they're ignorant. They don't know what's going on. 
They don't know the depth of what is taking place here. So I, I looked at this phrase, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I went over and over it in my brain, and there, there were two questions that just kept coming to my brain, and I want us to, to look at those today. And the two questions are this. Who was he forgiving? And the hard question is, why was he forgiving them? Who was he forgiving, and why was he forgiving them? So I looked through this, and I began to process, now, who in the world is Jesus saying this to? And I really think that the answer is all of the above. But I think there are four potential answers to this. I think the first group that he could be saying, Father, forgive them about or pardon them, would be the ones that actually nailed him to the cross. The ones who the Roman soldiers, who were the professional killers, who were able to kill people brutally, and wonderfully, they were really good at what they did. It could be them because they put him on the cross and really they had no choice. It is what they did for a living. It is what they were told to do. It's kind of like when you call the, the TV service that you use and you're upset about something and you talk to the customer service representative and you get angry with them, but they're just doing what they're told to do. It's not their decision. They're just following orders, as it were. And the, the soldiers there were doing what they'd always done. They were professional killers. That's what they were trained to do. And, and they did what they did. And so it seems very feasible that Jesus was looking at them and saying, Father, forgive them. Pardon them. Jesus also could have been forgiving those who made the decision that he should die. He could have been talking about Pontius Pilate, who tried to wash his hands of the whole thing. He could have been talking about King Herod, who played a minor role. He could have been talking about the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, or Caiaphas, the high priest, or his father-in-law, Ananias, who were the ones that held the trials and, and made this happen. The ones that were the engine behind him being on the cross. He could have been saying, Father, pardon them. Because they really don't understand the gravity of what is taking place here. For them, it's a, it's a murder of convenience. But they don't understand the depth of everything that is happening. Father, pardon them. It could have been that Jesus, hanging on the cross, looked at the crowd and he, he saw the compassion, he saw the crowd through compassionate eyes, and, and he said, Father, forgive them. Because they were just following. They were yelling, crucify him, crucify him, because the religious leaders that they had learned to trust their whole lives had encouraged them that that's what they were supposed to do. That this Jesus guy was messing up Judaism more than they could ever understand, and they needed to kill this one guy so that Judaism could be saved. So crucify him. And it could be at that very moment that Jesus was browsing across the crowd and looking at the people and so filled with compassion said, Father, pardon them. Let them go. Make it like it never happened. Because they don't understand. And I think all of that's true. But I think it's even deeper than that. Because the scripture teaches us that Jesus was hanging on the cross for the sins of the world. And not just those that had happened at that day, and not just those that had happened up to that point, 
but for those, for all of us. And I wonder if Jesus was so entrenched in the assignment and how big the assignment was and how great it was that he saw all of humanity and he looked out throughout history in his mind and said, Father, forgive them all. Because they don't understand. You see, it was just a few hours earlier where Jesus was praying. And in John 17, we have a record of that prayer and he was praying for you and me. Praying that as we followed Christ, that we would be one. And I think when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, it was about all of humanity. It was so much more than what was going on there in that moment. It was for all of us. This week on Tuesday, as I was teaching class, one of the things that I get to do every semester in my classes is I get to present the gospel. It is in the textbook. And I use the exact wording of the textbook so nobody can get angry with me. I just happen to spend a little more time on it uh, when we get to that subject. So uh, I, was, I was going through the story of Jesus and how it works. How does Christianity work? So I got on the whiteboard, and I'm a hor horrible artist, as most of you know. And I drew a valley, and on one side I drew a stick figure, on the other side I wrote God. And so I said, this valley represents the chasm between humanity and God. And Christianity teaches that there's no way that you can get as a human to God on your own, own ability. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough good things. You can't give enough away. And there's no way that you can get to God. So God sent Jesus. And then I draw a cross connecting the valley. Any of you have seen that picture before? And I said, Jesus came to do for humanity what Humanity could never do for itself. So God loved people so much that he sent Jesus to die and take our place so that we could connect to God. So I turned, I said, any questions? And so there was a hand in the back and I said, yes, what's your question? And the student said, so you're telling me that I don't have to do anything good and that I don't have to be good enough. I said, no, that's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you can't be good enough. And the only hope that we have in humanity is because of what Jesus did for us. That's what Christianity teaches. And that's why it's called good news. You see, I tell you that because I really think when Jesus was on the cross, there was such a big picture reality going on that it wasn't just about those guys that put the nails in his, in his hands and his feet. It wasn't just about those that condemned him. It wasn't just about the crowd that was there. It was about all of us. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand. And the truth is, we really don't understand the sacrifice that was made. We don't understand what Jesus gave up just to come here. We don't understand. Well, we, we have words to describe it, but we still don't really understand it. And I think the who was us, was all of us. But the second question for me then is really for me the harder one. When he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. The question for me is why in the world would he pray such a prayer? 
See, this is one of those moments where, you know, I don't know if you are, how you are when you go to a movie or read a book, but you, I put myself in the place of the, of the hero, right? As I'm watching the movie, okay? And so in this story, I put myself in the place of Jesus, and I'm thinking, if this was me in the story, it wouldn't have ended this way. There would be no Father forgive them. I mean, he had just told Peter not so long ago, hey, I can call 12 legions of angels to save me from this. Put your sword away. There would not only be legions of angels, there'd be fire from heaven, there'd be everything impossible to, you people are going to pay for this, right? Because that's the, the humanity in us. But Jesus is there hanging on the cross, and I'm asking this question, why would you forgive us? Why would you pray and ask the Father to forgive us? Why would you do that? We've so violated you and so offended you and, and done so many things that are horrible and wrong. Why in the world would you choose to pray for us and ask that God forgive us? And I think there's, there's two practical reasons. And I think the first one is an integrity thing. Because Jesus was the greatest human to ever live. And he only taught the greatest things that ever been taught. He actually practiced them. And I don't know if you've really read through what Jesus taught, but if he really meant those things, it's a big deal. I want to share a couple of them with you right now. And here's what he said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 43-48. He said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, you not, even, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet your, your, only your, your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And doggone it if he didn't practice it. Pray for those who persecute you. Father, forgive them. Well, I got another one here in Luke. He said this, But to you who are listening, I say, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And Jesus, hanging on the cross, lives out the very words that he taught. And I think as a matter of integrity, as a matter of being who he said he was and who he taught us to be, which by the way, when you read those words, uh, it sets a very high standard for his followers. Yes? You can just nod. You don't have to say amen, because that's a hard one, right? <laughs> He sets a very high standard, and he lived it out. And I think it's very, very important for us to realize that even on the cross, all the way to the very end of his life, he lived out exactly what he taught people to do. Integrity required that he do what he did, that he forgive. But I think there's another reason and I think this reason is undergirding everything that's taking place on the cross. I think that Jesus chose to forgive because he was driven by a love that we don't understand.
He was driven by a love for the Father that was so deep and so powerful that he would do anything the Father asked. A love that was so real and so permeated every part of his being. It's a love that is beyond our human comprehension. But I think also there was an indescribable love for humanity. You see, I think Jesus saw the human condition. I said, something's got to be done about this. He saw our brokenness. He saw our hurt. He saw our evil. He saw our bad choices. He saw our sin. He said, humanity's broken. I love humanity too much to let them stay this way. Because his drive for us is to be whole. One of the great songs in the history of Christianity is Amazing Grace. And it's a fantastic song because it talks about a grace that is so wonderful. And sometimes we don't really know or, or remember that that word grace defined means unmerited favor. It's something we don't deserve. And so every time someone comes to Christ, and every time someone finds forgiveness, and someone finds new relationship with God through Jesus, it is an amazing act of grace. And Jesus came to bring grace to all of us. This morning I got a quick video that I want to show you, kind of help us out with that. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved. An alcoholic. Failure. Agnostic. Partier. Liar. Drug addict. A wretch. Like me. I once was broken. Resentful. Helpless. Depressed. Out of control. Abandoned. Selfish. Self-destructive. Angry. Confused. Just lost. But now, I'm sober, happy, peaceful, grateful, free, alive, forgiven. I'm found. I was blind to God, to faith, to love. Pero ahora yo veo. I see that I matter. I see past my problems. I see my Savior. I see grace. Amazing grace. Twas grace that taught my heart to
The cross is all about grace. It's all about a God who loves you too much to let you live in brokenness. It's all about a God who loves you too much to let you live in despair. It's about a God who loves you too much to let you live eternity separated from him. So the simple question today is, have you accepted the grace that God so freely offers? Let's pray.